Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Vegas studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here. Yes, just Smurf. No interviewees, no co-hosts, just little old me. Hi, how are you? Welcome back to the new year. Uh, It's been a wild couple of weeks. Things are going on. 2022 is off to a very interesting start. Uh, But... We can get to that in just a moment. Uh, first of all, we want to talk about our sponsor, our lovely sponsor, Suzy Q's, who will be back in studio later this month to go over some stuff. We've, we've got some things to discuss uh, as far as the geek culture is concerned. But this week, it is just me and my take on some of the stories, things that I've seen go on across the geek verse that have caught my eye, things that I'm like, and to kind of give you an update on what's going on. It's been, like I said, an interesting 2022 so far. Uh, finished off shows. So many things going on. Like, holy crap. Uh, let's, just gri- let's just get right into it. First of all, Boys, The Boys, was pushed back. and Because uh, it should have already landed. But thankfully, they pushed it off and they finally gave us a release date. June 3rd is going to be the first three episodes of The Boys. And they did this for season two. I thought it was a spectacular idea. You get your your little binge in, you get the taste, and then you want more. Then, of course, after they drop the first three episodes, they go to the weekly drop, which will take us all the way to July. So June 3rd through July 8th will be all of the episodes of The Boys. I'm so excited. Oh, I don't know what to expect with this season. Uh, They haven't, I mean, they haven't stuck true to the comic However, they have explored certain aspects that they didn't do in the books. The characters are very close. We do get Soldier Boy with uh, Jensen Eccles from Supernatural. So I'm excited to see that integrated in. There's so many there's so many elements to this show. I'm waiting. I am waiting for the big the big plunge where the boys get V, they get powers. And, you know, then I have a feeling things get, you know, kicked up a notch. Not to not to hone in on somebody else's trademark. <laughs> um, other than that, it's it's no other real news, which is fine. I don't need any other real news just to know that it's coming. We knew it was all coming. We knew it was on the way. There was no doubt. It was just being patient now we just have to be patient for umbrella academy when is that going to land when can we expect to see that which is an excellent question that i don't have an answer for i'm sorry i wish it did but 
soon. soon I think sooner rather than later. It, I, I hate that expression, actually, because I... Uh, th- th- sooner than what? Sooner than now? No, it's not soon enough. That's the problem. And later? Well, it's already later. So it's one of those self-defeating phrases. I don't know why I used it. I won't use that again. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, so moving along. Uh, what do we got? The Oh, so uh, there were a couple of disappointments in last year. And I, I hate to say it, but one of them was Del Toro's Nightmare Alley. It's <sighs> Del Toro's Nightmare Alley is, uh, I don't know how, uh, it's frustrating. It's, I, I was expecting one thing. I got something else and could have like done without an, enti- an entire hour of the film. Now, I, I come to expect certain things when going into uh, a Del Toro film. The, the background, the characters, the special effects, the exoticness of the characters. When I saw the trailer, I was honestly expecting I was going to see some kind of, you know, Indiana Jones-esque um, 1920s foray into the 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 world of you know sideshow freaks and all of that but yeah that wasn't the case i know it's it's an adaptation of william lindsey graham's novel which was uh produced which published actually uh in 1946 so we hadn't really got to i guess the exploration of sci-fi all that much which is not accurate but i don't know i just kind of come up with explanations it's just kind of okay but with that in mind and moving forward i am very excited to see that del toro's stop motion pinocchio is is actually really going to happen we spoke about this film ages ago i mean i remember when news of it first broke that we were going to see a stop motion pinocchio from del toro i know i remember talking about it when um we were at uh reds talking and and we had uh private cheeseburger double a ron and tau sitting around and all of us were were excited about this and that was like years ago so i'm really excited to see that they are moving forward to it with this there are pictures available and there's more information about what's going on um pinocchio does have that big carnival sense same as nightmare alley nightmare alley ha- i mean don't get me wrong the backgrounds the set design the costuming was was exactly on par it was on point for a del toro film and that was exciting for me to see just the story was meh and just way too long i just uh, the third act was was okay i saw the con coming but that second act was just oh wow um but pinocchio i'm i'm very curious now del toro is competent commented that Pinocchio is going to deal with um, much more darker and, and
been kind of um, dealing more with human exploration, heavy themes about humanity, which is not unheard of when dealing with Del Toro. He does a lot of heavy themed things, especially when you consider like Pan's Labyrinth, you know, everything that was going on with that. The Shape of Water. There, there are uh, Del Toro does not look away from the darker side and heavier themed subject matter, which is kind of cool. I, I, I appreciate that, and I look forward to him exploring those particular aspects of storytelling. So on par with that, Pinocchio is is of course a puppet if you're not familiar with Pinocchio you you've got a lot of catching up to do but of course it's a puppet that wants to be alive um that is brought to life by the fairy godmother but uh this is going to be much darker and i guess the the film itself takes place um during the time of Mussolini in fascist Italy. So there's going to be a lot more of of that darker side to it. And that and I, I actually am very excited about this. Uh, now, rumored had it that this was going to be more of a musical, but I don't know if that rumor was actually true. I think, you know, a musical during you know fascist italy might be kind of a little odd but uh i'm just trying to think of the the musical score for that because it's not a mel brooks film and um there is no summertime for hitler just 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 saying um there are no dates or anything for the film to be released or what's going on with it just that it is going to happen and it's on its way so I'm I I can't wait. There is no other words on his Hellboy or any of his other projects. I can't recommend Nightmare Alley. I, I would save your money and just kind of just go find something else to to watch. There's plenty of other things out there to see. Lots of other things to see, <laughs> which I'll be more than happy to dive into with you, um, especially. Just stay home. No, don't stay home. There's lots of stuff to go out and do. Uh, one of the things you can stay home if you do is Dexter. Now, no spoilers. I promise. I'm gonna. I. I. I, I won't go any past like ten episodes. I think there's ten episodes. Yeah, I think that's it. Ten. Uh, so I'll be sure not to give you any 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 peeks into what's going on. But let me tell you something. There is some very interesting quirks about the Dexter show, um, Fresh Blood, and it's it's fun. There are so many holes, though, and then there's such stretches, even for Dexter, Dexterisms, that it's just so, like, convenient waves of storytelling. Because you're like, <clears throat> no way that would happen. Like, are you kidding me? Um just in certain stretches, some, you know, leaps of faith by the viewers. What I do love about this show, and it's it's foray back into the Dexter world, is Dexter. I mean, of course, he's, he's such a driving force to it, but even more so, 
is his internal dialogue, the conversation that's going on inside of his head. The first episode, like I had mentioned, it was quiet, and it was off-putting. It was weird until the very end, and he gets he gets back in, inside of his own head, and he starts being Dexter. I love that his sister, Deb, is his dark passenger. We lost Harry. Uh, and I don't know if that was like creative choices or if it's more of uh, contractual stuff because they couldn't get Harry to come back. But I do like him carrying on conversations and the implications behind him talking to his sister, which inadvertently he killed. So there's just uh, it's it's a very interesting and fun dynamic, especially as the episodes progress and you see Deb going back and forth from and and it's really kind of in Deb's character as far as how moody and her her emotions would swing her one way or the other and she was she was very emotional she was very driven by her gut and her emotions and what was going on at the time she was she was very dramatic let's just put it that way to see that drama and those emotions come through again is is great especially now that the relationship of course she's dead but if deb was still around i honestly think that this would be the relationship that the two would be having so him sitting there essentially arguing with himself in the form of his sister is great the conversations are just are are clever and witty and dry and just it really it really paints a picture of what's going on inside of Dexter's head as as well as shaping the reality around it the son Harrison um is very very much more of a dark extension of Dexter than we would like to think and i don't know if it's just it, it's difficult to say if it's because a lack of a, a father or we don't know what was going on, I still don't think we've gotten the whole story on Harrison. I still think that there are elements that they left out on purpose for a season two, if that were to happen. But it's very interesting to see how Harrison plays into this. All the while, we have the underlining story of what's going on in Iron Lake and... Oh, it's 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 just it's just juicy and perfect. I can't I can't I can't emphasize enough how cool it is to see this just this this the interactions with Dexter and everybody around him. One of those characters in particular is Clancy Brown's character. Now we all know that Clancy Brown was coming in as the serial killer and to see just how that all worked out is quite disturbing and very just sinister oh my god when i think about all of the different serial killers that we've seen throughout dexter shows and the existence of the the franchise uh, of course, everyone automatically goes to John Lithgow. I myself go to John Lithgow just because of the amazing performance that he did. And, of course, it more upfront and prevalent with the focus on Harrison and Harrison's character existence and all that. It's just, I mean, just to see Dexter face off against another 
very clever, very adept serial killer is is just exciting. And to watch him go back and forth, there's a, there's an exchange. There's a couple, but I like the one. Um, there's one in particular where the two are sitting there chatting in the dark, and it just. Yeah, and you, if you've watched the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where the two are alone, and they're just they're just sitting there, and it is it is it is perfect. It absolutely is. Just Dexter able to to confront him, and and Clancy Brown not not even batting an eye. Just just so Kurgan. That's all I that's all I can think. It's like if the Kurgan became just unstoppable, he got tired of killing immortals and just decided to hunker down in the middle of nowhere New York and opened a truck stop. <laughs> just waiting for immortals to come through, lop off their heads and just continue about serving up sloppy joes. <laughs> uh maybe that's just in my head. I don't know. <laughs> Now, I, I, no spoilers, like I said. Series is over. Ten episodes, I think, was the final one. No word on if we will see a return. Um, it's, it, it's hard to say. Like I said, no spoilers. But we shall see. Fingers crossed. Happy to see it come back. It was perfect. Perfect for the cold months. Absolutely right right on spot um what else oh so kind of keeping with things um matrix resurrection which is on hbo max and um i'm glad i have hbo max glad i have hbo the the fact of the matter is um i don't know if i've brought this up and i don't remember if i've talked about matrix but it was just kind of one of those things that this came up and everything. If you have HBO Max, it's worth watching as background noise. Other than that, no. <laughs> just just no. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, tonight. So here's a very interesting prospect. And come on down with the rabbit hole with me on this one. Superman and Lois, of course, returns tonight, Tuesday, to the CW. This show, for me, was a tremendous hit. I'm not a Superman fan. Everybody knows that. And I... I, uh, He's just... eh. He's never been my cup of tea. I'm a Batman guy. But what the CW put together, what the CW produced in a show was so far past my expectations... Taking the the mythos, taking the character, taking all of the different elements of over the years and compiling and building a very intricate character, a, a very intricate support system for something that I was excited to watch. I was engaged through the entire series. I'm not sure if I'm really sold on the twins... But what I do like about it is how they interact with Clark and Clark being Superman and Lois being Lois. You know, she's she's so far past the the damsel in distress. She's so far past, you know, the 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 in need of support. 
that, that you know, she, she can handle herself. She knows what she's doing. She has, you know, just in case of the emergency watch, but she really doesn't rely on it that heavily, which is nice. So as we go into season two, there has been some very interesting comments around the, the, the comic shop conversations about what we're expecting to see for the new season. Now, what I would like to see and whether or not we're going to get this remains to be seen. However, this would be the perfect vehicle of which to have this happen. Bruce Wayne's return has always been hinted at. Batwoman was supposedly, Kate Kane was on her way off to to find Bruce to bring him back. Now, we're not going to go down the Batwoman issue because we already know that I, I that's a horrible show and I'm never returning. The fact remains, though, that Bruce has been thrown out there a lot. So what better way to bring Bruce Wayne back than through Lois, Superman and Lois? And here's why. Clark and Bruce have always been friends. They've always worked closely together. And let's face it, with the events of Crisis and everything that went on and the merging of all the Earths, they have been around a little bit longer in the Arrowverse than Arrow was. And we are led to believe that they've been doing, you know, this together for quite a while. And to have Bruce come back through Superman and Lois would be exceptional, especially given the one common thread that we've seen. We've seen it in Titans. We, we, we heard about it in Batwoman that after Bruce basically snapped, kills Joker, disappears to parts unknown. It's been the running theme for the two shows. We get to see what happens in Titans. And that, quite honestly, was awesome. Ian Glenn did an amazing job of playing Bruce. In fact, if there's a choice that we get for who I want to see come back as Batman, I would rather see it be Ian Glenn than Warren Christie. Warren Christie is the gentleman, of course, who we've seen play Bruce in the Batwoman series, he was, um, uh, uh, now I can't, Hush, so Tommy, and I would love, I mean, as much as I like Warren, he did a great job, and it's fine, but I think Ian Glenn is, I mean, the problem is he might be just a bit too old to come back, because when you look at Clark, who's still, you know, quite, quite dashing, quite young looking, and then you bring in, you know, Ian Glenn, who's you know a little bit, a little bit more distinguished, <laughs> a little more, a little more seasoned, if you will. Uh, I know it may not work. I still think I like. No, I, I, I know, I know, I like his Bruce Wayne, and I know I like. I would love to see him in the bat suit, but that's a that's a story from another for another podcast. But I do like his portrayal of Batman. I do like his interactions with dick in titans warren christie does a good job i'm i'm fine with him being batman or being bruce wayne i guess i'm not i don't know i still think that this however is the better vehicle in which to bring bruce wayne into the arrowverse i don't know if this is going to be on deck for the show 
But to kind of get the two of them back together and to slowly work Bruce Wayne into the Arrowverse, this by by any stretch of the imagination is the best way to do it. The thing is, and we've already seen it done quite successfully within the Superman and Lois story as Clark has obviously moved on to a higher elevated sense of being, of self. He's a father now. He's, he's much more family-focused. And what better place for kind of like a, I don't know, coming to terms, coming to, um, you know, accept what Bruce has done. I mean, he, of course, he would never cross the line of killing someone. And for him to do that, of course, even as heinous as a character as Joker, um, it's not justified, but, you know, there's... There is some definite, definite motivation to take the fucker out. Let's face it. We have always wondered why he hasn't done it. And and he, well, again, that's another topic for another podcast when it comes to the whole dynamic between Joker and Batman. The thing is, though, to get the these two together to just kind of, you know, be sitting on the front porch talking about back in the day or um, Batman looking or Bruce looking for some kind of, I wouldn't say validation, but someone to confide in and talk to, why wouldn't it be Clark? Anytime Batman has dealt with anyone, it's either been a villain or someone that is a subordinate. The only person that I think Batman can ever really call a friend or someone that he could find in was Alfred, who, let's face it, is long gone at this point, or Clark. So why not give this to the fans? Give this, give us this, this one bit, please, because I think this would be perfect. I know I'm awfully dead set against emotions in stairways, emotions in hallways, emotions, you know, being spilled out. It's just weird, random moments uh, in the CW-verse, but... I think this is the one time that I can honestly say I want to see this conversation. I want to have the two of them sitting down and just just hashing it out, just talking and to get really what what's it what's the heart of it? What what's going on? I know that this is a, a fan's request, and it's probably not going to fall anywhere close to anyone's ear at the CW, but to get Bruce Wayne and Clark sitting on a porch, drinking beers, bullshitting. That's that's worth all the money in the world to me. Just saying. <laughs> um, speaking of money in the world, uh, what else landed? Witcher 2 has uh, hit, and it is quite the hit, actually. I don't want to give anything away, but it's um, it far exceeds what I thought. I really thought the wheels were going to fall off on this series just based on where we ended and not seeing kind of a clear path on how it was going to go. There's a lot of literature out there. There's a lot of books. And to see what they were going to pull from next was going to be, I thought, a, a larger challenge than what it was. So to see everything work so well, to see even more Witchers in Season 2 was refreshing and it was great i loved the interactions i love getting more of the lore of the witchers and 
We got something I wasn't expecting. We got more on the convergence as all of the worlds merged together and creating the monsters, the elves, and everything else. We get a much deeper dive into what is setting up the next Netflix series that I'm really excited for, which I'll get to in just a moment. But there's... um, a very interesting uh, feel, I guess. Actually, what I loved the most was Jaxer. He is the bard. He, of course, created, you know, toss a coin to your witcher. So it's now kind of come down to, and it feels like back in the day when I would watch South Park, we would we, we couldn't wait to hear what what's Butter's song this year, you know? Lou, 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 going to toss me a coin to my witcher. Joxer, I'm, I think I'm saying his name right, um, of course, has the breakup song. And it is, it's great. He, he's acting like a, you know, heartbroken teenager after he got dumped by, you know, The Witcher. And he's just sitting in a, in a bar singing, singing for money and gold. It's great. If you haven't seen the song yet, you need to go and watch it on YouTube or get to that episode. It is it is so so worth it, so so good. Um, but what brings me kind of to my point: the conjunction of the spheres uh, is very. I mean, it's hinted at, it's talked about. We get some looks into it, and I don't want to give any spoilers out for this season. But we we get more clues. Now, we have the new series that will be on Netflix, Witcher Blood Origin, which, believe it or not, Joxer is actually going to be physically there. I'm not sure how they're going to do this or if this is just him kind of retelling the story somehow, but there is some way he is linked or physically in this series. Of course, Blood Origin is set 1,200 years before the event of our current series. And I don't, I mean, that's one hell of a moisturizer to keep him that fresh as a daisy looking, if that's the case. But I'm sure that this is just a retelling of Joxer trying to weave a tale, narrate it, or move the story along as far as how we're getting this where we are right now. I'm I'm absolutely okay with that. I think everything that I've seen from The Witcher for the last couple of uh, seasons is so worth it. It succeeded my expectations. I love it. Um, like I said, no spoiler, but definitely, definitely, if you're not watching it, you're missing out. Or if you haven't moved to it yet, get to it. Get to it. Um, what else? We've got uh, Book of Boba, which at this recording, only two episodes are out. And holy bantha balls, Batman. That is... uh, So, without diving too far into it, Huge respect for the Tusken Raiders now. But to be fair, the Sand People have always been kind of, you know, the butt of Tatooine jokes. And 
I remember in what was it, uh, Phantom Menace during the pod race, <laughs> they're up there taking pot shots at the pod racers and doing their, you know, they're doing their Ookla the mocks, you know, huge, uh, <laughs> huge uh, dancing is what I can think of. But that's all they say. Every time that they do the hands over the head and make the noise, it reminds me of Ookla the mock from Thundar the Barbarian. I know. That's a deep dive. Google it. You'll see what I'm talking about. You'll know immediately when you look it up and you'll be like, oh, yeah. So huge respect now for the Tuscan Raiders. And the the last two episodes maybe has, has put them in an entirely different light. Still think Jawas are, are the ones to fear, though. Jawas are the, the, the scourge of the galaxy, I'm telling you. Watch out. Those guys are a menace. But... I don't want to give anything away for Book of Boba. We're only two episodes in, and it's already setting the stage for, oh, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. Do I still think we're going to get Mara Jade? I do, and I do think we're also going to get uh, Dr. Fora. I can't remember. I think it's Dr. Fora. Dr. Afra. Geez, sometimes my too many names in my head. Dr. Afro, which is out of the comics, there's a huge tell uh, at the end, well, kind of in the middle of this week's Book of Boba, or last week's Book of Boba, because new episode's tomorrow, and I don't want to spoil it, but there's, there's, some, there's some great tastiness, and there's so many Easter eggs and so many stories that links to that, uh, especially with Clone Wars, with Obi-Wan, with, with Dr. Afra. so... Oh, just so so many good things. I, if that is if they follow on on this, it could be just a simple passing. It could be just a hint. It could be. It could be. It could be. It could be. This is what I love about this whole thing that's going on. It's just there's just so much potential, and I, I, I Dave Filoni and Favreau are just uh, so good at this. And of course, I want to save a lot of like Book of Boba. For when Susie comes back later this week or later this month. So we can kind of go into it a little bit deeper. So I'm going to save it for Susie. And it gives us a few more episodes to talk about and a chance for you to catch up if you have it. Because I understand there's a lot going on out there. Um, which brings me to kind of... Oh, um, speaking of Star Wars, this kinda, this actually just kind of slipped out there not that long ago. But Jedi Fallen Order Two footage is supposedly arriving at Star Wars Celebration. Now, Jedi Fallen Order was a very interesting Star Wars game, and one that I I really liked a hell of a lot more than I thought. Um, because I liked Force Force Unleashed a lot, and I'm, I'm not talking about me kicking Ewoks. Um. But the gameplay, the character development, the story, all of it was very compelling. Now, dealing with Fallen Order is a little bit different as things have transpired. We've got, you know, Order 66 done and Jedi Temple's burning and all of that. But the, the whole story and gameplay and everything that went into this game was great. Now, to see them doing a second game to it is uh, I'm in. I can't wait. Now, no gameplay or any 
trailers have been released. Electronics Arts is planning to publish, geez almighty, uh, the game in uh, later this year. Now, it's kind of gone back and forth of whether or not they're going to be showing it at E3 or if it's going to be Celebration. Now, my money is probably Celebration. I don't even know anyone that really even goes to E3. You've got so many game producers that have just stopped going to E3. It's nothing like it used to be, and it's just kind of... I I don't know what E3 is anymore. It's just such a broken shell of what it used to be. So, uh, Other than that, no other information on the game yeah nothing else on fallen order 2 at all other than the speculation on the date so if you like the jedi game and the little droid and it it was such a good game i really did like that game so uh if you haven't played it i know it's on game pass so for xbox check it out it's worth it it's worth a shot and you get to build a lightsaber and different color for lightsabers and force power. Yeah, it was so good. So good, so good, so good. Um, yeah, so that brings me to my... Uh, yeah, that brings me to my take. My final take this week is on Spider-Man No Way Home. I'll do my best to give you no spoilers, but uh, some of these have already, you know, kind of been figured out have been taken for granted but no major plot holes spoilers or anything of that nature during my take so spider-man no way home is spectacular and of course i'm a lifelong spidey fan it was the second comic book i character i ever picked up and have been been pretty faithful reader to, to this day now it's difficult to put all of the spider-man films together and compare them especially when you look at like toby Maguire's final foray as spider-man with venom and that whole travesty of a film you have andrew garfield's spider-man which in my mind got a bad deal got a raw deal because we never he never got his third film and he's just left in a very uncomfortable position and we never see any like final 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 thought for his emotional stability or, or where he's at as a hero and of course tom holland who has done everything right in regards to spider-man in in peter parker and portraying a full package when it comes to the character where the other two have either been good with one aspect, but not so much with the other, whether they're a better Peter than a Spider-Man or a better Spider-Man than a Peter Parker. Now this supposedly is wrapping up Spider-Man as a whole. We've got three films, but we do know that Sony and Marvel are working towards another installment for Spider-Man. The ending that we get is very reminiscent of Toby's Spider-Man where, you know, he's living in a small little house or a little apartment 
and listening to the police scanner, and off he goes. I'm not too sure I like the choice in wardrobe at the end of this one, but it is what it is. Next movie, it'll be something entirely different. But it's it's very interesting choice. Now, my issues with the Spider-Man film are small ones. There, There's me nitpicking about this, but it's been kind of the ongoing theme when we're dealing with the Marvel Universe and where we're at now. We are post-Infinity War. We have gone through, you know, 10-plus years of amazing films that have laid down a foundation that created this epic conclusion. And to ramp up to that level again is not going to be easy. And I don't know if the mouse has the the dedication and the thought and the foresight to do this. At least when Marvel was kind of in its own charge, they had a plan. They had a roadmap. They knew where they wanted to go and how to kind of get there. And granted, they needed help from directors and and different storytellers to get where they were and you also have the marvel comics bullpen helping move these stories along you got brubaker you got you know joe casada driving forces that helped the narration of the films and you're also dealing with years of comic books that have stood the test of time stories that are you know have sold millions of of copies to, you know, basically every country around the globe now. It's hard not to imagine Marvel Comics not everywhere. Same with DC. So when you're setting up this next go-around, we've already got some very interesting issues. The Spider-Man film is very driven by magic, and magic is the forefront to this, this, this new... Marvel go the the phase four I is we've got WandaVision magic driven uh, strange multiverse of madness magic we've got Spider-Man magic so I know we're we're, we're dealing and focusing with a, an entirely new realm but is it too much Susie and I have talked about this on multiple occasions of we're going to lose a lot of people are we moving into the alternate realities too fast and we're going to lose the casual viewer? We're going to bring characters that even might be a stretch for me and so obscure that I'm just at a loss. And I'm not talking about the Eternals. The Eternals, at least, are recognizable. Not well known, but they're recognizable. We've seen them. They're Kirby's creations. And, and Neil Gaiman even had a go at it with creating some very impressive characters for the Eternals, and a storyline that actually was compelling. Why that story wasn't relied upon a little bit more in the film remains to be seen. So when you're dealing with where we're at in the Marvel Universe and how things are building, are we going too far too fast in a direction that only creates problems rather than creates good stories? It remains to be seen, especially when we don't know what the mouse's approach is going to be we've seen how they want to kind of do things with d plus and some some certain issues arise and i've mentioned my multiple concerns as far as how they're treating 
these characters, and I don't want to say they're cheapening the experience or the loss or the sacrifice that these characters, that they made these characters go through to get to where we're currently at. But, you know, taking pot shots, as much as I love Hawkeye and I think what Disney Plus did for that show was was good but like i said about episode three and four it it seems to just kind of mm, hawkeye was great and i was waiting for him to kind of expand and be hawkeye which we never really fully got and i know i've gone around with a couple of other fans that well you know they're trying to he's trying to retire it's years of this and years of that and that's fine but it doesn't change hawkeye being a very capable individual and rick reminders series with hawkeye i know is the push especially with bringing in kate bishop and they're trying to move forward but I think they're neglecting the character that got them here to begin with and leaving a story or a few on the table. Hawkeye's a very valuable Avenger. He creates the West Coast Avengers. There's obviously, and I mentioned this before when we were only at episode three or four, that his wife is Mockingbird. And I, I, I stick by that and what we see at the end of this series solidifies that theory. So, where does that put us? It's a very good question. I don't know. And when we're dealing with Spider-Man and everything that has gone on, will we lose the casual viewer? It's quite, quite possible. So what questions are we left with? A whole lot of them. Couple that immediately spring to mind is, of course, when we are going to see the next appearance of Spider-Man. Now, Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness seems the most likely, and I wouldn't be surprised as we start going into the next phase. We don't have an Avengers film on the docket yet, so Phase Four. It's difficult to say how they're going to end Phase Four. At least Marvel made it simple and let us know every time that there's a new Avengers movie that kind of ends that phase it's on to phase two phase three all right makes perfect sense what's the benchmark where are we looking for what's what's the end zone here um not that i always want to score but god damn it it feels good so when we're looking at where we're kind of at with this it really seems i don't know strange i don't know what we're aiming for so with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, will Spidey show up there? Kind of makes sense with his foray into the Mirrorverse and, and the whole fight and a <laughs> huge demonstration on the Spider-Sense, which I know they won't call it the Spider-Sense for some reason. It's got to be the Peter Tingle. And okay, whatever. I don't know why, I don't know why they just refuse to call it Spider-Sense. Why? I don't get it. Um... The other issue, and, and I guess the other film that we've got coming is Thor, Love and Thunder, of course. And it's it's difficult to say. I don't think Spidey would show up there, but uh, who's to say? I mean, I guess Thor could come back to Earth. could be a post credit scene or, you know, Thor sends out an SOS. I don't know. He's a god. Would would strangest spell work on him what about the other off earth would would it affect them i don't know it's a very good question 
the Multiverse of Madness, I'm sure, is just growing and, and building on what they did in Spider-Man. Were there other characters or there other things that slipped through when the multiverse was open to make it in? We did see a couple of other scenes that would kind of lead to believe that. Which leads me to my next question. And will we see a redemption for Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man? Now, I have a firm, firm theory that the Eddie Brock, the Venom series that we have seen is happening in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Verse. I, 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 Tom Hardy just seems, and the way that we're building on Tom Hardy as Venom and all of that, really leads me to believe that that is Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. So will we see a return for Andrew? I, I, I really think we should. I think... I think he's earned it. I think he deserves it. We never saw the third film, cause, and we, there was always hints and all of that, and I think they probably didn't want to do another Venom film to follow up because we saw how well that worked for Tobey Spider-Man. But <laughs> we really are just, I, I mean, in the film, and it's no surprise, I mean, we knew this going in that we were going to get the other two Spider-Men. It, in, it's no surprise. The story is very interesting, especially when you're dealing with the two different Spider-Men who are obviously at very different stages of their life, where you have, you know, Andrew Garfield dealing with the significant loss and the cost of his decisions and what he was working on and how he was trying to basically do what he thought was right. So we get a little bit of a redemption in No, uh, no Way Home. But I still think he's earned further exploration. I still think he he was a great Spider-Man. Even just seeing him come back in this was so it was so good. I mean, I knew he was coming back. I was expecting him to come back, but when he finally showed up, I was I was just excited. I cheered. I, and that's weird because I'm by myself and everyone's just kind of looking at me like I'm a strange one sitting all alone. Woo, yeah. Okay. Just me. But I know that we need it. We should see it. We should get it. And there's no reason not to have it, especially as they've already established now there are multiverses. There are different Earths. And we've seen a departure from everything else. I do think that Morbius is also in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Verse. A lot of things indicate and point to that direction. A lot of the technology, the look, the feel, it just, it really just feels like Garfield's Spider-Verse. And maybe we will see an appearance of him. Maybe in the post credit scene. I mean, you got him in the suit, you might as well take advantage of it, right? I know Sony is not going to let Spider-Man out of the franchise out of their cold dead hand. There's no way, especially when they're looking at what they have earned at the box office. $1.53 billion worldwide since the opening in December. So not, not too shabby, guys. And it's, it's hard to distinguish who that really is relying on. Is it Sony or is it Marvel or just the perfect storm of the two being together and giving us a good a good story. I mean, there are some moments where it's just kind of hokey 
They do poke a little fun at, you know, characters. But there are some very powerful moments that leave you kind of sitting there in your chair like, wow, that was that was hard. And it was, wow, so well done. The questions, the answers to these questions, who knows? I can only hope that Sony's listening, that Marvel's listening. Give Andrew his due. Give him his third film. Let's close this out. Close this out. Or let's let's keep it going. Let's get another, you know, Spider-Verse going on and see where it goes. I don't want to see Tom Holland's reign in as the current Spider-Man, but it doesn't mean that Sony can't have their own little Spider-Man too. I'm I'm just I'm just saying. They got Venom. I don't know what the the carnage thing, but okay, whatever. Uh, and Morbius, who I'm not a fan of, I never really was, uh, especially even like in his first appearance, uh, uh, appearance in Spidey 100. I just uh, I don't, uh, there's so many other villains, there's so many other cooler characters in Spideyverse that you could do. Just ah, uh, why? But I know they're probably thinking that they're moving towards the Darkhold or another one. Who's to say? I don't know. I'm just a fan in all of this. Same as you. Uh, Yeah, so that's my take on Spider-Man No Way Home. Worth the watch. Worth the buy. Speaking of worth the buy, Ghostbusters is available for digital purchase if you, you so desire. It's... It is so good. Bring a tissue. Bring a friend to cry on. You need a shoulder for sure. Uh, Yeah. So that about does it. So, again, give us a like. Give us a share. Support us on all of our platforms. We're available on any platform out there that you want to listen on. And we continue to try and entertain you. So give us a like, give us a share. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night.